This message was presented at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Let's go. Let's have a prayer and we'll begin. Dear Lord, we thank you for your love, kindness, and mercy. You've been so good to us. As we look at Christ on the shop floor and get a view of Jesus Christ, I'm asking that we'll be drawn closer to him. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, that's deep. What would you say are the main barriers to evangelism in church in one or two words? Just from here in the room. If you've got your phone, if you've got your phone with you, you can, you can just type polev.com forward slash Sam Walters 308 and um, your words will come up on the screen. I'm just intrigued to see UK, what's going on? Um, just intrigued to see what you guys think. What would you say if you've got your phone with you? Um, authenticity, pride, dedication, Satan, media, laziness. Training. Okay, so training and training and training is a big one. Lack. What do you mean by lack? Oh, lack of training. Okay, lack training. I'm here. I'm with you now. I'm with you now. Okay, confidence. Okay, doubt. Afraid. Knowledge, afraid to take a leap, authenticity. Oh, what do you mean by authenticity? What do you mean by authenticity? Somebody help me. That's an interesting one. Misinterpretation. Fear. Fear is a big one. Um, disinterest. Okay. What's that one about myself? Somebody help me out. Business. Lack of conversion. There's one that says myself. Maybe I've made that up. So about seven o'clock, did someone say? Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Fear, fear, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Fear myself. Is that what the person's saying? Wow, that's deep. Um, dead? Wowzers. Inadequacy? Oh, boy. Wow. Whoa, addictions? Skeletons? It's getting deep up in here. Leaders, spirituality, compromise. Um, wow. We, complacency, 
This is the stuff, this is the stuff that's going on in this room. We're at GYC 2020. Are you hearing me? That's what's really going on. That's what's really going on. This is the stuff that's going on in this room. I don't know what's going on next door, but in here. That's what's going on. Confidence. Selfishness. Doubt. Unconverted. Disobedience. Compromise. Pressure. Laziness. Lack of training. Pride. Selfishness. Esteem issues. Um, just skeletons in the closet. Spirituality. Afraid. Busyness. Compromise. Inadequacy. Support. Cheating. Someone said titles. I don't know what that means, but it sounds deep. Oh, titles in church. Okay. Titles. Um, family. Judgment. Um, just, 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 just. This is what's going on in the room. That's what's going on in the room. Whew. I feel like I can't even go to my next slide. We've got to have a prayer about this. That is what's going on in the room, folks. This is GYC 2020. We're talking about moving the world by many or by few, but that's what's really going on. And so because this is what's really going on, you know, I've been working with young people for a long time, and sometimes you don't get these answers if you ask for them, but when it's anonymous, you can get these answers. Um, the reality is, folks, is that if 2020 is going to pop off, do you use that phrase over here? Yeah, 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 yeah. If 2020 is going to pop off, if 2020 is going to go up with a bank, if we're going to make it happen big, bold, and better, we've got to start dealing with some of the things that we haven't dealt with for years. These are some of the things that are going up. I can't believe this. We're at GYC 2020, and these are some of the things going on in the room. Um, is that a call for prayer? Because my sister said we're not going to fit the rest of the stuff in the scene. Culture. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. What would you say are the main barriers in the church for evangelism in church Culture, if I touch on that right now, we're not going to finish. Titles. Fear is a big one. Um, what's, the, what's the time? Sam, don't get overexcited. Twelve oh eight. thank you. Twelve oh nine. thank you, sir. This is what we're going to do. Because I feel like we can't just... Skip past this and carry on like the session is normal. Um, let's just have, let's just twos, in 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 twos. Let's just pray about some of the stuff that's going on in our lives. Is that okay? And just ask God to help us deal with the things that we're dealing with. And then we'll go into the session. Can we do that? Because I feel like, I just put that on just to get people interested, but this is more than I thought. Um, so let's just pray 
about some of these things. Is that okay? So, 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 in twos, twos and threes, twos and threes, twos and threes, um, what we're praying about is some of the stuff that we've been dealing with in 2019 that we don't want to take into 2020 because we want God to be everything and all in our lives in 2020. Is that okay? Uh, let's make a commitment. Let's make a commitment. I'm here at the beginning of the session. I feel like I need to make an appeal. You're here at GYC 2020 and you're dealing with fear. You're dealing with lack of training. You're dealing with priorities. You're dealing with self-centeredness. You're dealing with poor confidence. You feel like you're unconverted. You've got demons in your closet. You've got skeletons. Divorce is going on in your life. You've got addictions. Gossip has taken your situation. You've got mental problems. You're fixed up on culture and you need to get converted and you're just playing out selfish. Maybe that's you. In fact, it's somebody in this room. And what you're saying today at the beginning of the session is, I don't want to leave the room the same way that I came in. That's your desire. Will you stand with me? Don't want to leave the room the same way I came in. Don't want to leave the room the same way I came in. Don't want to leave the room the same way I came in. Scratch the prayer session. We're just going to say a prayer now. Dear Heavenly Father, man, I just was not expecting that. But here we are, by many or by few. And there's skeletons in our closets that have been haunting us for years, and we've not dealt with them. There's people in the room who have simply said, the thing that's dealing, or my issue is, is that I'm unconverted. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you at this moment in time, we're bringing these things to you because we recognize that we can't come and leave this place the same way we came into this place. And we're praying for the outpouring of the Spirit in the room. Dear Heavenly Father, please, do something for us. Do something in us and change us, recreate us. Create a miracle in the room, dear Lord, whereby people's lives will be transformed even now. Please may this be our experience. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Whew. Have mercy. Let me move this on. Let me take a picture of this, actually, because I might need to touch back on this during the session. Basically, what this means is I might have to remix the session to deal with this. So we'll see how things go. Have mercy. Wow. How long are we going to play church? How long? How long? That just got me, that did, to be honest. Because sometimes we come to church, that just got me. And we know things aren't right. But I know I should be there. But I know things aren't right. And I'm not dealing with the things that I know I should be dealing with. And here we are at GYC. What God's looking for is for somebody to say, let me stop playing about and let's get serious. I know I've got some stuff that I need to deal with. Let me deal with them. Let me look them square in the face and deal with the issues that have been clouding in my life. Is that okay? Let's do that. All right. 
let me try and weave that into the presentation because the presentations, the last two presentations for those of you who have just come in, the last two presentations we've been looking at the human struggle and how that relates to embracing who you are in Jesus Christ and letting the world know who you are as the Seventh-day Adventist Christian so that people will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In this session, we're going to try and get more into the practice of how that happens. So we're looking at Christ on the shop floor. But I'm mindful, I've just seen what's going on in the room, so we'll see what happens. This is an occasional UK occurrence. This happens in England from time to time. It's an occasional UK occurrence. Sometimes in the workplace. A graduate will leave university and by virtue of having a degree, will go straight to a management position. They've never worked a day in their life. They've never done anything on the shop floor. They don't know anything about management apart from theory. And here they are, telling you what to do. Does that happen in the US? They've got no people skills because they've grown up with their face fixated on, fixated on Facebook and Instagram. And here they are, supposed to be directing companies because they've got a quote-unquote degree, whatever that means. I'm not against degrees, I've got one. I'm just saying that that's sometimes what happens. Um, they don't know anything about what goes on on the shop floor. This is completely unlike Jesus. Jesus came down from heaven to planet Earth and he addressed the situations of planet Earth and he showed us what to do on the shop floor with regards to doing his will. And he gives us an example of how to do it. Christ on the shop floor. Christ on the shop floor. Um, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach your nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Mark 16, 15 to 18, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Go ye therefore. Acts chapter 1 verse 7. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own hand, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Sometimes it's easy to see what's on the screen, what was previously on the screen, and to get discouraged, and to get intimidated. And to think, is this what's really going on? But I want to let you know that God is not intimidated. When God sees your issues, 
He's not like how some people do on these dating websites where they post, um, you know, um, I'm looking for such and such a person. I'm looking for such and such a person. Um, and um, they want this particular characteristics. And they say something like, please, no baggage. Or, or I want a person, and please, I don't want them to have been in a previous divorce. Or, I want a person, and I don't want them to have any hang-ups. When you come to God, come to God with your baggage. Come to God with your stuff that was on the screen. And God says, if you come to me with the stuff that was on the screen, I'll do something for you. I'll completely rearrange and transform your life so that you can be the person that I've called you to be. Just come. Because anyone who comes, I will in no wise cast them out. And so, Jesus has a job for us to do. He tells us to go, therefore, and be witnesses unto him, not just where you are, but also where you aren't. Takes motion. Jesus is unlike some graduates who knows about the shop floor, Philippians 2.7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus Christ knows what you've been through. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. This text, John 13, 15, is talking about when Jesus went and washed the disciples' feet. But it's just a good summary text that Jesus gave us an example that we should do as he has done. We should do as he has done. The command to go is not arbitrary. It's a command that Jesus gives with instruction and he gives an example. Now, in this session, we're going to look at doing things Christ's method. Christ's method. Christ's method alone. I know you know it, but just bear with me as we go through it. I know you've seen it before. This is one of those John 3.16 texts. I know you've seen it before, but just bear with us as we go through it. Christ's Method, how much? Alone. Will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. In our work, we have to remember the way in which Christ worked. He made the world. He made man. Then he called in the person then he called in person to the world to show its inhabitants how to live sinless lives. I'm just thinking about the disciples when Jesus called them. He called John and his brother, and they were called the sons of thunder. Got an anger problem. I'm thinking about Peter when he called Peter. And Peter was unconverted. Jesus says to him, when thou art converted, strengthen thy... He was following Jesus, but he was unconverted. He was a part of the group. He was part of the club. He was part of the circle, but he was caught unconverted. And Jesus took him under his wing. I'm thinking about the disciples right now. Judas, biggest snake in history. Jesus took him under his wing... And as he took him under his wing, one of the things that Judas did, not Judas, what Jesus did is he wanted them to follow Jesus in his footsteps and to do the things that Jesus was calling them to do. Because as you follow Christ and do what Christ is calling you to do, you end up becoming more like him because you're following him. I hope this makes sense. 
Christ's method alone. Now, watch it. The curse of every church today is that men do not adopt Christ's method. We shall gain much instruction for our work from a study of Christ's method of labor and his manner of meeting the people. In the gospel story, we have the record of how he worked for all classes and of how, as he labored in cities and towns, thousands were drawn to his side to hear his teaching. The words of the master were clear and distinct and were spoken in sympathy and tenderness. They carried with them the assurance that here was truth. It was the simplicity and earnestness with which Christ labored and spoke that drew so many to him. Got a question for you. What's more important, physics or engineering? The people that are studying physics said physics. Pardon? Application. Application. So you think engineering? Okay. Well, both have their different spheres. Engineering is the application of physics. Yeah? Do we agree? Physics doesn't change. What goes up must come down. What goes in must come out. Distance equals speed multiplied by time. Force equals acceleration times mass. The physics doesn't change, but the application of the physics changes with the generations. Does that make sense? What we're looking at in this session is not necessarily the engineering. What we're looking at in this session is the physics. Are you with me? So as we go through the physics, we're going to see a few laws that are timeless and changeless. Um, and we're going to look primarily at two principles. Two principles, two principles, two principles, two principles. Catch what she's saying. Now catch, catch, catch. I'm going to sit down because I want us to get the import of what's being said here. And I don't have a pointer, so I'm using my finger. In the command to go into the highways and hedges, Christ sets forth the work of all whom he calls to minister in his name. The whole world is the field for Christ's ministers. The whole human family is comprised in their congregation. The Lord desires that his word of grace shall be brought home to every soul. Christ Object Lessons 229, paragraph 1. I.e., God wants the word to go out to the world. Now, watch what she's going to say next. Catch what she's saying. To a great degree. To a what degree? To a great degree. This must be accomplished by personal labor. Personal. Now, I don't know how much a great degree is, but a great degree is a great degree. Can we agree on that one? And to a great degree, this must be accomplished by personal labor. It's got to be personal. If it's not happening personally, it's not happening by a great degree. Now, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Let me go back because I don't want to give it away. 
to a great degree, this must be accomplished by personal labor. Watch this. This was Christ's method. Here we go. 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 We're looking at principle number one. Here we go. You're about to catch it. His work was largely made up of personal interviews. He had a faithful regard for the one soul audience. Through that one soul, the message was often extended to thousands. Just pause. I, Sam Walters, me, myself, have often thought that in order to reach the world, I've got to go around the world. That in order to reach the world, I've got to do something big. It's got to be big, it's got to be bold, it's got to be flashy. I almost tripped over, but I catch myself. <laughs> it's got to be big, it's got to be bold, it's got to be flashy. But Christ operated on a different method. Not that he was against big. Not that he was against bold. Not that he was against innovation. But Christ just had a different method. His work wasn't stressing himself out, um, going up and down the conference, every, every, trying to be some kind of great speaker. Uh, his work was largely made up of personal interviews. God had a small group of people that he moved with. He had the Peter, the James, the Johns, the Judases. And so because he was trying to change the world, he invested his life into people within his sphere of influence. One of the things I'm learning and I'm shifting, I'm pray for me because I'm still struggling with it, is that sometimes I think, sometimes as young people, um, the local church thing is probably a bit too small, so I'm trying to get big. I'm trying to do things that it's out there. I'm trying to let the whole world know, not realizing that my youth group, uh, the one soul in my youth group, might be the person that changes the whole thing around. Like, who had more influence on the world? Moses or the mother of Moses? Like, Moses' mom poured some time into Moses. And she changed the world. And I'm seeing here, Jesus Christ has a different method. He had a faithful regard for the one soul audience and his work was largely made up of personal interviews. We're looking at Christ's method. Um, method number one is get somebody who you're personally working with. Somebody who you've gone out of your way to ensure that you're mentoring. Somebody who you look at them, you see they're struggling. Um, somebody who, I don't know, they're just not, and you know you've got influence over their life. Reach out to them. Principle number one. Um, we are not to wait for souls, this is just the rest of it, to come to us. We must seek them out where they are. When the word has been preached in the pulpit, the work has, just, has but just begun. There are multitudes who will never be reached by the gospel unless it is carried to them. Um, do you remember the story of the woman at the well? John chapter 4. Um, this is one of those personal interviews. I'm just going to look at it. If you've got your Bibles, come with me. John chapter 4. This is one of those personal interviews. So in John chapter 3... Jesus has a personal interview with a guy named Nicodemus. 
And in John chapter 4, Jesus has another personal interview with the woman at the well. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We'll just kind of have a quick look at it. And reading from verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew, what's the time? Oh my days, we're finishing in 15 minutes. I keep doing this. Every session I've done this. We'll keep it going. John chapter 4, we'll move it on speedily. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, that Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of grand, ground, not grand, ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and when it was about, and it was about the sixth hour, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask of drinketh me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to me, to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. We're looking at Christ's method. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, she catches a vision. Give me this water that I thirst not. Neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband. And commit. they're talking about water. Jesus is talking about husbands. The woman answered and, said unto, and answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that thou saidst thou, in that saidst thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. We, ye worship, ye know not what. We now worship, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh, and now is, when, this, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. And when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee, am he. Okay, here we go. The Master's Methods. Um, I'm reading this book called The Bible Instructor, and there's some fantastic things that the book reads out, brings out on this section. When we're in the woman at the well, um, this lady, the type of person, she's prejudiced 
but open. She asked Jesus, how be it you being a Jew are asking a drink of me a Samaritan? Are you seeing that? She's got some prejudice going on. She's got some prejudice going on. She's got some prejudice going on. Um, so this is Christ's way of winning this person. He aims at winning the confidence. He meets the people on his ground. He used a personal interview method and he had a regard for the one-soul audience. So he makes a natural request made at the point of contact. John 4, 7. He asked for water. Interest is laid in the immediate surroundings and he uses the tact born of divine love. You see this um, in the Desire of Ages. Now, he does something interesting. When you get time, I think I've got it in here. Have I got it in here? No, I haven't got it in here. When you get time, what you want to do is just type into the Ellen White app the word awakened. Awakened. Type into the Ellen White app the word awakened. When you type into the Ellen White app the word awakened, what you'll notice is you'll see things that awaken other things. So you want to awaken this in somebody, you see that you do this, and this awakens this. Are you catching what I'm throwing? Earlier on, we spoke about acquaintance awakens sympathy. So if I want to get sympathy out of somebody, I then bring to them some acquaintance. Here, Ellen White says that trust, you see this in Desire of Ages, pages 183, 184, awakens trust. He could have offered her a favor, but she's prejudiced. So he displays some trust in her and asks her for a favor. He doesn't offer her one. Are you catching what I'm throwing? So his demonstration of trust in her awakened in her trust for him. I'm hoping you're catching what I'm throwing. We're talking about the crisis method. Now it's 1735, so we're going to move on. He aroused curiosity to awaken interest. He met prejudice by creating curiosity, not dispute, at the point of interest, common need, but living water. His curiosity, the curiosity provoked thinking. He met prejudice with suspense, not explanation. He built confidence through familiar truth, and the new truth proved he had a message, and he captured interest by de creating desire for water to satisfy a personal need. This awakened the conviction of a lack. You notice when he says, go call your husband. And she says, I haven't got one. And he says, of the truth. He, he, he commends her for telling the truth. And says, you've got five. And he goes, then in this, surely you've told the truth. So he commends her, gives it to her, and then he commends her again. So he kind of gives her a sandwich. He relieved embarrassment by commendation. He won confidence by his discernment. And he listened and responded appropriately when sidetracked. One of the things that you need to start doing when you're trying to win people is to begin to watch and listen to how the spirit is moving with them. I was in a taxi. I just finished work. I'm hungry. Do you have Nando's in America? The, U the, U the two UK people have just told me they don't have Nando's in America. So Nando's is big in England. It's huge. Um, so I go there. I'm planning to get my veggie wrap. Other people go there to get chicken. I get my veggie wrap. I'm, I've ordered a taxi. I'm going home. I'm sitting in the back. Get a phone call from my mum. Sam, did you know it's your group's turn to clean church? Help us, Lord. So I'm on the phone. Um, 
My mama didn't know it was actually groups time to clean church, okay? What time is are we supposed to meet? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Put the phone down. I haven't had a conversation with the taxi driver. The taxi driver then says to me, what church do you go to? So, take note. I see that of all the things I've said in my conversation, he's been listening and he's picked up the word church. Your antennas should go up. Are you, are you, are you catching what I'm throwing? I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I go to Brentsville Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, it's just that I tend to clean and, uh, you know, have you, have you, I think I got him exactly, but I, I, I engaged him on the topic. I engaged him on the topic. Um, then he comes with, ah, oh, so do you know such and such? And he starts listing some people who I know who are Adventists. Now, I've never seen this guy before. And we're in the same city. So I'm like, okay, how do you know them? How do you know them? Um, turns out he's grown up as an Adventist. And I just felt the Spirit of God say, Sam, this is the moment. This is the moment. Stick it on him. So I'm in the taxi, and I just said, bro, when are you coming back to church? He starts laughing. I said, no, 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 no. no. Don't laugh it off. You didn't know I was going to be in this taxi and we're going to be talking about um, cleaning church and the next thing you know, you're going to be bringing up your family members who still go to church. I said, when are you coming back to church? Car got silent. When you're dealing with people and you're willing to be used by the Holy Spirit, sometimes you've got to put yourself in a position where you're not afraid to say something. And this can be done in personal interviews. I realized it was a one-on-one moment. And so because it was a one-on-one moment, I realized Jesus knows how to win his way to the heart. Jesus speaks through me. You whisper up a prayer and then you put it on him. So we had that conversation. I engaged him on it. And then um, he was like, yeah, I need to think about it. The next thing you know, a few days later, or a week, couple of weeks later, Again, I'm in the taxi. It's the same taxi man. Same man. So here we go. I'm like, so what's going on with church? Guess what he says to me? He's having Bible studies. He's having Bible studies. He said his daughter's been on to him as well. Sometimes you don't know what God is doing. You don't know what God is doing. I remember I was at a bus stop. I'm not joking. These are two stories. I'm talking about the one-on-one large interview. We're not going to finish this presentation, so I've just paused it here. So I'm just telling the stories that I had in the presentation so that you get the point that I'm trying to make. I'm on a bus stop. Man comes over to me. He's drunk. I can smell the alcohol in his breath. Elderly, um, Caucasian gentleman. And he comes on to me. He's a bit tipsy. And he says, my grandfather was a Seventh-day Adventist. Do you know what one of those is? Random guy at a bus stop. He goes, my granddad met Ellen White when she came over to the country. Random guy at a bus stop. Don't ever think that God doesn't want to use you where you are. Obviously, we were able to have a conversation, and I was trying to help him to point him in the right direction. Talking to my friend on the phone not too long ago, this year, um, and he says to me, he's left church. 
who was one of my best friends, he left church and he says to me, Sam, all the stuff that you've done, your degree, all of those things, I feel like you could have done that without God. I feel like you don't need God for that. Another one-on-one interview. I feel like you don't need God for that. Like you don't need God to go to university. Loads of people go to university. I said to him, look, let me tell you a story. I can't remember the name of the guy, but Holocaust, 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 Holocaust survivor. Holocaust survivor. Um, I've forgotten the guy's name. He tells a story of when um, he was in the, the gas chambers in the concentration camp and um, a German lady dragged him by his arm and brought him to a room of a German soldier who was dying. This is me talking to my friend on the phone. Personal interview. And um, the German soldier said, you know, is this a Jew? She said, yeah. She put his hand in his hand. And the German soldier who's on his deathbed dying starts recounting all the different atrocities he's committed against Jews. And then he turns to this concentration camp survivor and says to him, can you forgive me? This is me explaining the story to my friend. And the concentration camp survivor says, he threw the guy's hand down and said, there are some things so big you need a God for. And I said to my friend, you, what do you do with your guilt? Because you need a God for that. You might be able to do uni, but you can't deal with your guilt. He said, it's true. When you make yourself available to follow God's method and to have personal interviews with people, what I was going to go into is that something else that Jesus Christ does in personal interviews is to give Bible studies. I've got two minutes left. And something that was my own experience The thing says quarter to. It's 12.45, you know. <laughs> on the app, on the app, it's still one. Well, we'll, we'll compromise at some stage. I don't, know, I don't know what the compromise is yet, but we'll figure it out. So um, I'm with my cousin. I've never given a Bible study before. That's what I was going to get into next. Principle number two um, Christ showed us what to do in personal interviews. Um, and in this story, this is the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, 13 to 27. And Jesus doesn't reveal himself to them. Instead, let's just read it quickly. Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24. He does something very interesting. He does something very interesting. Verse 13, and behold, two of them went the same way the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three furlongs. Verse 17, that was verse 13, verse 17, and he said unto them, what manner of communications of these are these which you have had, which you have one to another as you walk and are sad? Um, then they basically say, you know, have you known what's gone on? And they talk about the Jesus Christ being crucified. And then verse 25 says, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have, have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And verse 27 is interesting. They didn't know that Jesus was speaking with them. And they could have, Jesus could simply have just gone, ta-da, here I am. But he doesn't do that. In verse 23, verse 27, the Bible says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh to the village where they were, and he made, a, he made as though he would have gone farther. So watch this. 
He didn't reveal himself to them physically, but he revealed himself to them through the word. And later on, if you read the picture, there was a scripture, they realize what's going on. Um, Christ could have revealed himself to them physically, but decided not to do that because Christ wasn't always physically going to be with them. He revealed himself through the word so that when they couldn't physically see him, they could still see him. Are you with me? And so, and principle number two is, in your interviews, something that you need to do is give, when you can, get opportunity to do so, Bible studies. Now, I'm giving with my cousin. I've not done this by myself before. I've brought a friend with me, Leon. We're closing up. I've not done any training. I've not been to a mission school. All I've done is, is I've gone into Audioverse and I've listened to how to give a Bible study. I've gone into YouTube and I've watched how to give a Bible study by different people. And I thought, all right, that sounds simple. Let's go. Now, in the training, I'm not joking. This was the study on the gospel. The guy said, when you give this study, you need to make sure you make an appeal. When you give the appeal and you ask the person, is there anything that will keep you from accepting Jesus Christ into your life? At that moment, do not let yourself respond. Pause and let the person respond. He said, in that moment, anything's possible. The person could burst out into tears. The person could, could, could start coming with, you, you said, you don't know what's going to happen. So I'm in that moment, I'm with my friend Leon, um, and I dropped the question, there's nothing like looking in the whites of somebody's eyes and asking them to give their life to Jesus Christ. I asked them, talk about personal interviews, Christ's method, personal labor. I asked my cousin. Now, my cousin grew up in church. I love her. And she knows what it is to give her life to Jesus Christ. She knows that there's things on Sabbath that she's currently doing that she knows she's going to have to stop doing. She knows that there's certain practices that she's doing that she's going to have to stop doing. And so the question is a big question for her because she knows all the ramifications of the question. Does that make sense? So I'm asking her, and just like the training had said, you could hear a pin drop. Silence. I'm silent, Leon's silent, she's silent. And everything in me wanted to say at that moment in time, well, I'll let you think about it, and you, you, you kind of just wrap it up. You know those ones? And she's a mother, so she's got a good poker face. Does that make sense? So I'm looking, she's looking, Leon's looking, but I just decided just, just to stay there and see what happens. And as I stayed there and saw what happens, and I'm praying in my mind, I see her to put her head back. And I see tears start coming down her face, and I still start shaking her head. At this time, I still haven't said anything. I was thinking, do I go and get some tissues? Do I give her a hug? What's going on? But I thought, let me just stay there. And as I'm staying there and I'm watching what's happening, eventually, she says, I'll give my life to him. Guys, I hadn't had any training. I hadn't studied theology at Andrews. I haven't been to Weimar. All I did was go on audio verse. I looked at a YouTube video. And here we are. Somebody giving their life to Jesus Christ because somebody decided to follow and do something about Christ's method. Amen. 
It wasn't perfect, it was very imperfect. Not everything was right, it wasn't right. But as I took a step, God took the study that was so fumbled and imperfect, and he did something with it that by the time it got to her ears, he changed it around so that it made sense. Does that make sense? It's not about trying to make sense. God isn't looking for defense attorneys. He's looking for a witness. And a witness simply shares what they've seen and what they've heard. We're finished. At 17.50, forgive me for my five minutes tardiness. We do have 10 minutes. Okay, RJ's just come at me. We'll, we'll wrap up this way. Let's go back to that screen because I think it's important. We've come into the room with some of these things as barriers to personal evangelism. Barriers to evangelism in your own church. Barriers to evangelism in your own life. And some of these things are very real things, not some of these things. All of these things are very real things. What God's calling us to do, though, is to do something that we spoke about in the last seminar. In Revelation, not Revelation, in Hebrews chapter 12, I'll just read it quickly so that we can all grasp it. I'm just going to read it one more time. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a crowd of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then the text says, for consider him. Then endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. The text says that there's two things that you need to give up. It says, Lay aside the sins and also lay aside the weights. Weights are not necessarily sins, but the things that slow you down on your journey. Sometimes the reason why we're in the situation that we're in is not because of sins, it's because of weights. Facebook in and of itself isn't a bad thing. Media in and of itself isn't a bad thing, but sometimes that thing can be your weight. Maybe the relationship that you're in is your weight. Maybe the circumstances that you put yourself in is your weight and it's stopping you from following Christ's method alone. Christ came to free you from your sins and your weights. The question is, is do you want to be freed? So as we finish, if it's your desire, to find somebody to not simply live for yourself in 2020 but find somebody find somebody in your social circle in your circle of influence who you feel as though you know what Lord please use me to impact this person and in the meantime 
Also help me, Lord, to deal with my weights and my sins as I look to you. Just raise your hand where you are. That's your desire. Dear Heavenly Father, you see the raised hands. Help us to deal with the weights and the sins of 2019 and leave them there. And as we go into the future, 2020, help us to run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And as we do so, dear Lord, help us to find people in our sphere of influence who we can impact for the kingdom of God. That lives will be transformed by personal labor and help us to give that person quality time. And as we do so, you never know, dear Heavenly Father, please may you use that person who we impact to impact thousands. And if it's your will, help us to impact thousands also. But above all, Lord, help us to be faithful. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.